0: Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, son of Pethuel. Hear this, you elders. Listen, all you inhabitants of the land. Has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your ancestors? Tell your children about it. And let your children tell their children. And their children the next generation. What the devouring locust has left. The swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust has left. The young locust has eaten. And what the young locust has left. The destroying locust has eaten. Wake up you drunkards and weep. Wail all you wine drinkers. Because of the sweet wine. For it has been taken from your mouth. For a nation has invaded my land. Powerful and without number. Its teeth. Are the teeth of a lion, and it has the fangs of a lioness. It has devastated my grapevine and splintered my fig tree. It has stripped off its bark and thrown it away. Its branches have turned white. Grieve like a young woman dressed in sackcloth, mourning for the husband of her youth. Grain and drink offerings have been cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests, who are ministers of the Lord, mourn. The fields are destroyed. The land grieves. Indeed, the grain is destroyed. The new wine is dried up and the fresh oil fails. Be ashamed, you farmers. Wail, you vine dressers over the wheat and the barley because the harvest of the field has perished. The grapevine has dried up and the fig tree is withered. The pomegranate, the date palm and the apple, all the trees of the orchard have withered. Indeed, human joy has dried up. Dress in sackcloth and lament, you priests. Wail, you ministers of the altar. Come and spend the night in sackcloth, you ministers of my God, because grain and drink offerings are withheld from the house of your God. Announce a sacred fast. Proclaim a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the residents of the land at the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Woe because of that day. For the day of the Lord is near, and it will come as devastation from the Almighty. Hasn't the food been cut off before our eyes, joy and gladness from the house of our God? The seeds lie shriveled in their casings, the storehouses are in ruin, and the granaries are broken down because the grain has withered away. How the animals groan, the herds of cattle wander in confusion since they have no pasture. Even the flocks of sheep and goats suffer punishment. I call to you, Lord, for fire has consumed the pastures of the wilderness, and flames have devoured all the trees of the orchard. Even wild animals cry out to you, for the riverbeds are dried up, and fire has consumed the pastures of the wilderness. The church season of Lent began last Wednesday on Ash Wednesday. Lent is the season in our church calendar uh, set aside to get us ready for the celebration of, of Easter. And you know what? You won't find Lent in the Bible. Uh, Lent was—it uh, is man-made. It, it is something that early Christians, the early church, thought it was would be wise. Hey, uh, Easter is important. We want to celebrate it, um, and perhaps uh, an appropriate framework to celebrate Easter is to kind of have this like bottom-up approach. Let's start with our, our sorrow, our sin, our brokenness. Um, let's do some reflection. Uh, let's kind of start with that framework. But we, we move and we look to the cross. We look to the empty tomb and cross and resurrection and restoration and hope and all these good, wonderful things about our Easter celebration. And so there's like a trajectory, and uh, we we wrestle through our our pains and our struggles, uh, but all in the framework of grace and hope, and and we're trying to get to uh, to um, to Resurrection Sunday, and and we're going to journey through this Lenten season, and often that there you know there's some habits. Formed or you know like we uh, we fast and other spiritual disciplines are practice and and anyways early church they, they thought it would be wise to do this and uh, Catholics have been pra- practicing it for years Protestants practice observe Lent as well but it looks really different uh, from church to church denomination to denomina- denomination and really uh, it looks different for, for, for e- from person to person um, each one of us, Will observe or or not at all uh, Lent, uh, just to prepare our our hearts and minds for for Easter. Um, Lent begins on Ash Wednesday, as I as I said, and and uh, Ash reminds us that, that we are dust, where we came from. We're, we're dusters. We're we're earthlings. Okay. Ash also symbolically represents sorrow and repentance. Grief and, and, and things like things like that, and so Ash Wednesday begins our our journey uh, to to Easter Sunday to to that empty tomb, and so for for, for Lenten season twenty twenty one, PMC Beyond as as we prepare our hearts, our heads, our hands, and our habits for Easter. Over the next few weekends, we are going to do so by studying the book of Joel. The book of Joel. It's a small Old Testament prophecy book. Joel is filled with many Lenten themes. Despair and disaster, lament, repentance, restoration, hope. Joel is actually filled with a lot of of these uh, Lenten themes. So uh, what we have here, we have us in 2021, we're, we're doing the thing, uh, and we have this ancient Hebrew prophetic poetry, okay? And we are going to see what the Spirit is, can do, what the Spirit is going to be up to over the next number of weekends as we journey together through uh, the study of Joel. So, Joel is in the Old Testament, and uh, it is found in a section of the Bible that we call the Minor Prophets. Now, Minor is just in reference to the size of the literature. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, those are the major prophets. So, those are really long books, as you might notice, flipping through the pages of your, your Bible. Joel is a Minor Prophet. In fact, I think it is actually the, the smallest of, of of the prophets, Joel is the the minor of the of the minor prophets, and and uh, we don't really know when Joel was written. Joel doesn't accuse the people of any particular sin that perhaps could be traced to history. There's no reference to a king uh, or any other significant clue that could really place us into. Um, the, the historical narrative of of israel and and, and all of that, so um, if you really want to look into uh, when Joel was written, go ahead and 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 do your own research. Scholars are tr- trying to place it out um, it's actually not super important for us to know when exactly Joel was written for our for our purposes today and over the next number of weeks we're kind of off the hook there. Um, we we kind of yeah we're we're good. Uh, we don't know when Joel was written, and we'll just leave it at that. So feel free to check out uh, what what scholars think there. Um, other than you know his name is Joel, he is the son of Pethuel. Um, you know his his name means the Lord is God. Joel, uh, the Lord is God. That's that's what we know about Joel uh, and that he has a message from God. Joel has a message from God. In our, in our denomination, in our church, uh, we affirm that Joel is Scripture. Joel is Scripture. And that means this little book in our Old Testament, it is breathed out by God. It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And so today, we are going to take a look at Joel chapter 1. And to get yourself prepared, we're going to be talking about devastation. We're talking about despair. We begin our Lenten journey at the bottom of despair and devastation. And so here's a, a sneak peek of what we have going on today. Here's an outline. You'll see a crisis will be revealed. It's an invasion. Then Joel makes these calls to lament and wail. Then there's this, this, uh, this expression, the day of the Lord is introduced to us. Um, and so we'll, we'll learn a little bit about that today. And then there's the effects of the day of the Lord. And then finally, we'll end with an appeal to God. And appeal to God. So that's what we have going on today. Uh, but let's say a word of prayer, and then we'll get to it, Heavenly Father, God, Lord. Here in our Lenten journey as a as a church, as a scattered church, I just ask that you would speak to us today. I just I ask that the the message would. Be within our grasp, Lord, that we would be able to hear as individuals, as families, and as a church, as a community. We'll be able to hear the, the message that you have for us, or perhaps the messages that you have for us, Lord. Father, I just ask that you would just bring uh, your one- wonderful uh, good news to us, your, your, your sweet, uh, calm voice to us, uh, your kind voice. Speak to us, Lord, wherever we're at. If we're engaging right now online or perhaps later on in a, in a podcast, we're tuning in. I just ask that you would meet us exactly where we're at today. May you work on us today. Prepare us. God, do your thing. We love you. We're listening in. In your name we pray. Amen. So Joel begins by calling the elders and everyone who lives in the land to listen up. Listen up, people, the whole community, like everybody, gather around, pay attention to my message, all right? Joel has a big message that he needs to get out there. There is a massive crisis going on. And you know what? We know crisis, okay, like already we can find commonality here. We know crisis. We've seen thousands of them before. I have a friend who lives in Texas and he and his family, they, they've been going through that, uh, the, the cold spell, uh, the freezing temperatures and losing power. You know, he's, he's like trying to uh, work through all of that. Um, like we, we know crisis. We've seen them time and time again. We don't have to look too far in our own world and, and, and our, uh, in, our, in our nation. Around around the globe, uh, we turn on the news. It doesn't take much to to be aware of some sort of crisis somewhere. All right, but Joel, he, he's kind of raising his hand. He's like, "Hold up, though, hold the phone." My crisis, our crisis that we're talking about, and Joel, like Joel's like, my crisis is different here. The crisis that I'm going to tell you about. Like, you've never seen this before. The magnitude of the crisis, of the situation, is off the charts. In fact, this crisis is something that Joel wants to get uh, instituted into national memory. He wants them to teach their kids about it. All right? Tell your kids about this crisis, and you know what, they'll teach their kids, and, and their kids will teach the grandkids, and so on, and next generation, and so on, and so on. Okay, this must be a big story, a big event, if Joel wants this crisis to become national memory. And you know what? We're still talking about it today, so that's cool. Uh, It it worked, Joel. It worked. We're still talking about this crisis, okay? So what is this crisis? Verse 4 lets us know. It is a big crisis, a locust invasion, a plague of, of bugs coming in, a locust invasion. What the devouring locust has left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust has left, the young locust has eaten. And what the young locust has left, the destroying locust has eaten. Swarms of locusts. And first off, I think Joel, uh, he is referring to a real locust. That is my, my view. But I also hold the view that these locusts are actually uh, symbolic or you know, metaphorical uh, to a, a real human army, like a real human army that would invade. And I also am open to the view that these locusts are actually apocalyptic in nature and that uh, this invasion has yet to happen. Uh, either literally or uh, metaphorically and and so on. So uh, essentially, long story short, welcome to Bible prophecy where there's just different layers of interpretation. And so what we have here is there's four different phases of locusts or different types of locusts. You you have the devouring, the swarming, the young, and the destroying locusts. It's kind of like we're painting the whole picture here locusts or, or grasshoppers, uh, they, they grow to be about two and a half inches uh, big. And, and uh, really, they're, by themselves, they're not big trouble, okay? Growing up, my, my brother in the summertime, he would like to try to catch a grasshopper or two and, and put them in a, a container. Um, and he would always name them Robert for some reason. But, you know, little Robert, little grasshopper Robert, not a big deal. All right, but when you have millions of little Roberts, little locusts everywhere, millions of them, it's a problem. It is a big problem. Sometimes due to different factors, um, whether it's environmental or 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 whatever the case may be, something triggers inside of them. Chemical reactions change uh, in their brains. They get out of whack. They start to eat like crazy. They reproduce like crazy, and these these locusts. There can be outbreaks, upsurges, and plagues. Okay, we definitely don't want things to go to plague level. Okay, they bring so much destruction and devastation to the land. the The, the people of God they 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 live in an in in agrarian society. Their economy is anchored to the land, to animals, to, to the crops, okay? A locust invasion at plague level is a major crisis that affects all systems. The land, the animals, the people of God, they are in a crisis. And, and, and Joel says, lament. Joel calls the people to Lament, Joel uh, cries out. Wake up, you drunkards, and weep, wail, all you wine drinkers. Now, certainly, this applies to to drunks, uh, but but on a metaphorical level, this is like metaphorical drunkenness. Wake up, people! Shake off the the sleepy dust from your your eyes. See what's going on. Okay, and I'm going to take a, a, a hint here. I'm going to guess uh, that that the people lost perception; they lost a vision for the life that God had dreamed for them. For those who who could afford the good sweet wine, Joel's like, "Wake up and wail! Guess what? There is no wine anymore." All right, okay. You're it's it's all gone. Wake up and wail. And again, this this army of, of locusts, it, it, they're here. And in verse six, they're they're personified as a nation, like a, like a nation invading God's land. The locusts are described as powerful and without number. Now. Locust swarms can be as high as like 80 million locusts. 80 million locusts would look and feel suffocating. All right. And these locusts, they're 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 strong and ferocious, Joel says. Like, like the teeth and, and the jaw of the lions, okay? Verse 7: when the locusts come, they destroy everything. They cause damage. All right, these little bugs cause so much damage. Did you know in one day, a locust will eat its body weight in, in food? All right? They only weigh about two grams. And that doesn't sound like much. But when there's 80 million locusts in a swarm, that means a swarm can consume like 320,000 pounds of food in a day. And if my math's correctly, if locusts ate people, that means a swarm would eat about 1,600 people a day. And it's, it, this, is, this is wild stuff. Swarms are a nightmare. These bugs, and I'm sorry if you're not a bug person, but these, these bugs, they just have these two main weapons. It's their numbers, and it's their appetites. Did you know we actually have locust problems on this planet right now? Uh, it's a major story that, that has been underreported in our news cycle. Um, so later today, uh, go ahead and do a news search. For like locust swarm or locust plague. Um, and you'll you'll find stories like like right now in, in Africa, up through the Middle East and over to India, there's there's hot spots of of locusts, and they're trying to get things under control. There are people right now facing food insecurity and other issues due to locusts. Plus, you have COVID and you know other local crisis on 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 top of that. People are struggling in certain parts of the world. Um, and and it's, it's just like Bible times. A plague of, of locusts comes through and a village is, is like going hungry. It, it's, it's, it's real. The point is in Bible times and in our times today, swarms can take away security. They can take away prosperity. They can leave you with insecurity and poverty. It's just It's disaster. But here's the thing, we, we do have a heart tool, a, a heart tool to use when we deal with disaster, okay? It's called lament, lament. In verses 8, 9, and 10, Joel calls, uh, Joel calls the people to, to lament, wail, and grieve. Now, Joel doesn't just want to tell us about it, Okay? He doesn't just want to tell us about grief. He really wants us to experience it. He wants us to feel it, okay? And that's why he's, he's picking his words carefully here. And Joel, he kind of, you know, he, he goes for the blow here. Um, he, he throws a hard punch. He says, Grieve like a young woman dressed in sackcloth, mourning for the husband of her youth. Um, widowhood, is a deep vulnerability and and Joel is saying your level of grief should be like the young bride who loses her husband. In verse 11, Joel calls out to the farmers and the vine dressers. He says, be ashamed, be disappointed, be in despair. Joel says, The wheat, the barley, the grapevine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, the date palm, the apple, all the trees of the orchard, they're all withered up. In fact, human joy has just dried up. And so he he uses all these fruits, you know, just all these fruits that are drying up. And then it's just like, yeah, guess what? Human joy is, is drying up as well. And you know what? It just gets worse. Because the locusts have eaten all the crops, that means worship and sacrificial offerings are all messed up too. Because you can't do grain and drink offerings at the temple when, there's, when everything's gone. The fields are gone, the wine is gone, the grains are gone, the oil is gone, it's all gone. And you know, these temple priests, they they rely on these things to do their, their job, but they also rely on it for their food. But big picture here, a big reason to grieve is that when there is a breakdown in Israel's worship, there is a breakdown in their connection with God. And so the priests are mourning. They can't do what they're supposed to do. And so Joel, he he calls them to, Dress in sackcloth. That's the clothing, the the burlap, the the clothing of lament. He calls them to lament. This crisis has ruined the whole worship life of, of God's people. Verse 14 is a call to action. Announce a sacred fast. Proclaim a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the residents of the land at the house of the Lord your God. And cry out to the lord fasting and crying out to the lord those are lenten themes For the people of god they're they're in a crisis and you know there's just this plague of locusts going on whether literal or metaphorical or both major devastation and damage has happened this crisis is disconnecting everything there's there 's interdependence between systems you know the 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 field needs to work and 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 the people need to work and, and the temple system needs to work and like like these different systems like what makes society a society like it 's all just crumbling in and and from the drunkards to the farmers to the priests to worship life, it is all just it is all just getting mess up. It is, it is just withering away. And Joel's like, y'all need to get together and cry out to the Lord. Fast, pray, cry out to the Lord. So, so far, Joel has kind of been a dark read. Okay. Okay. Uh, just, just wait. Um, Joel now introduces the day of the Lord. Okay. Verse 15. Woe because of that day for the day of the Lord is near and will come as devastation from the almighty. The day of the Lord expression is associated to when God shows up in a big way, uh, in, in history. Okay. Uh, this, uh, the day of the Lord, um, it's usually a, a direct and obvious way. Like you know, like you won't miss it. You'll know the day of the Lord. Now, if Joel is referring to a present, uh, a near present day of the Lord, like according to like where he's at in history, and he's re- referring to uh, something that, that's about to happen in his, his lifetime, for, for, for us as readers, when we read the day of the Lord, It might reference his day of the Lord, but his day of the Lord could also reference uh, a future day of the Lord or even a a final day of the Lord. Uh, So sometimes when when we see these uh, prophetic expressions made like the day of the Lord, uh, sometimes, uh, like, like, what is the day of the Lord, or when is the day of the Lord? Well, it, it could actually be a couple different things. And uh, the way that Bible teachers usually teach this is to talk about a, a mountain range. Okay, uh, as, as a writer, let's pretend I'm Joel, as, as a writer, uh, I might see the day of the Lord, I, I see this... Mountain range, I see these mountains and and Joel's like, Oh, the day of the Lord is near i I see that, but here's the thing, as we know, we all know mountain ranges, okay, um, they're not all flat together, but mountain peaks are are you know there's some distance there, so so we have. Uh, a day of the Lord, a day of the Lord, another day of the Lord. From Joel's point of view, they all look together. Um, anyway, so uh, there's double, triple vision with 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 prophetic literature sometimes, and um, welcome to the Bible prophecy. Um, there's more to say about the day of the Lord, and we'll talk about that, God willing, in the next couple of weeks. Um, but, but for us today, um, the locust invasion was one thing, but guess what? The day of the Lord is imminent, okay? It is near, God says. And so let's read on. And I just really want the, the imagery to, to sink in. I want, I want the weight of the crisis of, of like this, this moment in Joel. I want it to, to sink in. Okay, let me read it here. The seeds lie shriveled in their casings. The storehouses are in ruin and the granaries are broken down because the grain has withered away. How the animals groan, the herds of cattle wander in confusion since they have no pasture. Even the flocks of sheep and goats suffer punishment. And now in verses 19 and 20. From the bottom of despair, Joel makes this appeal to God. I call to you God I call to you Lord for fire has consumed the pastures of the wilderness and the flames have devoured all the trees of the orchard even the wild animals cry out to you for the for the riverbeds are dried up and fire has consumed the pastures of the wilderness I understand it's hard to look up and over a disaster, especially if you're in the center of, of one. And, you know, but I'm just thinking, you know, if, if we could step back from our despair, our depression, our, our diseases, our, our struggles, when we're walking through the valley, like, like if we could take a step back from that, If we could give us, uh, you know, even just a few moments of of reflection and and be able to see things beyond ourselves, you know, if we're able to, if we can step back, you know what? I think uh, we won't be surprised by what we see. I think if we, if we're able to grab that view, I think we'll just see a lot of brokenness. Systemic and systematic brokenness. Everywhere. The disaster of sin is real. So much brokenness in this world. And you know, what a way to start the Lenten season. Part of the the actionables uh, that the church has taught for centuries in relation to Lent are uh, related to reflection and introspection and And, you know, when we reflect on the brokenness of humanity and nature, the point isn't to just stay there, but Lent actually directs us to the cross and the empty tomb. It's where we find our restoration. It's where we find our healing. Jesus took on the disaster of sin for us. He was devastated by crucifixion. And so uh, this uh, Lenten season, as we have a conversation with Joel, the call is to to listen up to what God is saying to us. To wake up, to, to get in touch with reality. God, what are you saying to us? What do you want us to do about it? Wake up and weep. And you know, we've seen a lot of ugly things in and out of the church this this past year. But have we seen the church weeping together? I'm not saying it hasn't happened, but that's not something you see the church do. Do we even know how to do that? Do we know how to cry together? Do we know how to lament together? Now, Lament isn't just crying, but it really is like this wrestling through sorrow and pain. It's, it's, it's a reaching out to God through prayer. It is a tool to help us navigate brokenness. One pastor writes, Lament is the language for living between the poles of hard life and trusting in God's sovereignty. Creation groans for restoration. And you know what? We too, we we are ready for We are groaning too for redemption and restoration. We want Jesus to make things right. And lamenting well is perhaps a prayer request for for all of us. Many of us could probably ask God, dear Lord, help me to lament well. And for starters, through your prayer life, that's that's just talking out your struggles to God. It's also, you know, check out the Psalms. Uh, the, the Psalms, there's there's a good collection of laments in the book of Psalms. But as Christians, again, um, the idea of Lent isn't just to um, point out all of our problems and stay there. Lent doesn't just... Um, Keep us there. Laments don't just keep us there in the pain, in the valley, but laments turn us to Jesus. Laments are a tool as we navigate our brokenness. Laments point us to Jesus, our our Savior. In Jesus, we find our joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength, and the good news is, by His grace, we get to cry out to Jesus. Because when it's crisis, when it's like all systems failure, when when worship life is interrupted, we still get to cry out to Jesus. When prosperity and security are turned into poverty and insecurity, by His grace we still get to cry out to Jesus. When we are grieving, we get to cry out to Jesus. When our gladness and joy are drying up, we still get to cry out to Jesus. When nature is in alarm, when the fields are on fire, when the country is in a dust bowl, when Texas is frozen over, when animals are dying from thirst, when everything is just on fire, we still get to cry out to Jesus. He is our Savior. Our hope in Jesus is stronger than our current circumstance. As we reflect this Lenten season, let's do so through a framework of lament, but also hope and grace. Our Redeemer lifts. And it's my prayer that Jesus gives you the strength to sing, It is well with my soul. Amen. O oh Lord, to you we cry. You are a good God. And we confess that we need you. We cry out to you, God. We know you're here with us. You're watching over us. And even when things go dark and not our way, Lord, we know you're with us. And help us to keep trusting in you. Help us not to slip away from you when things get hard. But God, every day, may we seek you out. Teach us how to trust, how to lean into you. Keep our heads above water. Keep our hearts free. Keep our feet on solid ground. Keep us in grace and truth. We don't deny our hardship, Lord, but we give it over to you. We know that you're not far from our pain, but you are here with us in it. As we repent and believe the good news, let us just journey with you this Lenten season as we prepare for our Easter celebration, as we prepare for a new heaven and a new earth. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.